Welcome to Parents Take Five, where we take five minutes of your day to share parenting and family tips that help you grow in faith. Here, we come to you in your car, through your headphones, on the go, while chasing your kiddos or texting your youth, wherever you need a little support in your day. I'm Jen Evans, currently serving as Associate Pastor for Youth, Young Adults, and Families with Young Children at Second Presbyterian Church in Little Rock, and your host. If you have any questions or have ideas, you can find the Facebook group for podcast listeners by searching for Parents Take 5, that's F-I-V-E, and the same is true for Instagram. With that said, I hope you enjoy this moment of sanity and growth catalyst. Don't forget to subscribe to my channel for more tidbits on the fives. Hey y'all, it's Jen. Today we celebrate the three-year anniversary of Parents Take Five, and I have a special episode and a few fun announcements for today. So first, let me just say thank you for listening and sharing with me the needs of your family for future topics and growing in faith alongside of one another and certainly alongside of me. So I have to say that both of my kiddos were about three years old when I started to realize that they were growing up. It was time for us to find new homes for all that baby gear and those cute outfits that they wore once, you know, before they were babyfied. Yes, I know. I made up another word. But you know what I mean. They were stained with either the unrecognizable stain or the one that I would really rather not talk about on a podcast with my closest podcast listeners. So, but it was three years. When I combed through the baby pictures and art from school to soak up my melting heart, three years was about the time that I looked at our wedding pictures, recalled the dates that we went on, the ones that I just smiled and sat there in warmth as I recalled the memories. Today, I want to tell you a birth story and offer a brief walk through memory lane. Okay, so the podcast Parents Take Five was created from a deep need that I saw in the lives of busy parents and families that were around me who struggled to keep laundry done, meals cooked, and still wanted their family's faithfulness to be tended to even when we had little uh, time available. I was so glad to know it wasn't just me that was struggling. And as a parent and a pastor and an educator, I knew that while there were great faith-focused resources available for parents, there didn't seem to be much support available for busy parents. Parents were still not feeling the overwhelming sense of support. So these resources were there, and they are great, but they didn't find that they were meeting the very real time constraint needs of many parents. They wanted good information. They wanted good information about being a parent and being a faithful family, 
but they needed it between, I don't know, sometime between snack time and soccer practice drop off or nap time. And man, in February of 2019, after landing on this helpful format, a lot of prayer, a ton of discernment, and talking with my family and friends, finding a producer, I was ready. But only after having a few Moses and Jonah moments. My producer and hubs, you know, partner in crime, gave me the final vote of confidence that I needed to be brave and to be vulnerable as I began this adventure. And parents, take five, was launched, but only on a trial basis. My commitment from the very beginning has been that I will continue with Parents Take Five as long as the need continues to be there. Because I absolutely love planning and creating and hosting and walking through life together with you. So I want to take you through memory lane. So let's take a few minutes to look back at some of the few episodes from the past. Episode 97, The Power of Parentships. Okay, so if you know me really well, you know that I make up words, I make up definitions to words, and I also shorten words. So welcome to this particular one. (laughs) What I mean by a parentship is that it is strong. It's stronger than a friendship. It's more than that. They are other parents that are also in the same, wait for it, situationship. That's right. They're finding the joys and asking for help together, leaning on one another. And when we do this, we learn to have a family outside of our biological one. You know, we've always heard you can choose your friends, but you can't choose your family. Or you can't choose your family, but you can choose your friends. Well, in this case, surprise, you get to, cho- you get to choose both. Your friends get to be your family. We learn to depend on them. Get help from them. Allow them to parent our children, partner with us. So let me tell you about some of my younger years. I couldn't even find trouble when I was growing up. Well, during a a certain portion that is not true and anyway, but I couldn't even find trouble because there were parentships that also happen to go to the same church. Now, without them, I feel like, here's the thing. I couldn't find trouble or sniff trouble without them ratting me out. It felt to me that someone would know before I even fully devised a plan. And it provided support for my family and sure as heck kept me from even thinking about getting in trouble, except for those crazy junior high moments that I was referring to earlier. But I will save that topic for another day. And I know that it's November, 
And some people are doing these little gratitude type challenges, you know, where you're grateful for something a day or you write somebody a note each day or, you know, that kind of thing. If so, you can add this to your ideal list. And if you're not, maybe this is just something easy for you to consider. What if you consider sending a card, a text, you know, a message in the sky or by self-driving cars? Okay, maybe not the last couple, but send a text, a note. Call a parentship person that's helping your family to just say thank you for being a positive role model and for being in parentship with you for your kiddo. See, it's a reminder for us that God did not intend for us to be superhumans. Nor did God intend for us to parent alone. Episode 82 through 86. Oh, and add 17. Sexuality and Faith series. Okay, it's a really great series and it's just way too much to include. So you just need to go back and listen to the whole thing of all of this. So we'll just skip that for now, and let's head to episode 59, Dadfluencer with DJ Pryor. Today, we have a special guest with us that I can barely even get out of my mouth. I'm so excited, y'all. Um, I have DJ Pryor. Now, you know that you know who this is. I do not even need to give an introduction to this guy, but DJ is an American actor, comedian, a television personality who is quickly becoming one of the most energizing and in-demand voices, y'all. With a gift of relatable expression, he has appeared on the Steve Harvey Show, Good Morning America, the Today Show, opening for the gospel singer Fred Hammond, not to mention he was on NBC's Toast to 2020, Dick Clark's New Year's Rockin' Eve. Y'all, he is all over the YouTube. <laughs> and one of Mr. Pryor's latest endeavors is a partnership with multiple nonprofits, with United Way, as well as a partnership with Harvard University, focusing on mental health and motivational speaking. That's just to name a few. Y'all, this is a passion for him. And today I'm adding to his little bio that he was recognized as a dad fluencer. So <laughs> you are here as dad DJ. <laughs> I'm telling you, you're all over and I love it. So DJ, I'm so glad that you're here with us. Thank um, you so much. I'm glad. Thank you for having me. I think uh, when I first saw you sitting on the couch with your sweet baby Kingston, mm -hmm. I fell in love with you oh. and the dad immediately. Yeah. Um, so tell me how that couch conversation, that viral video yeah. happened. You know, I, I, um, I do these home videos for my kids. And that day, uh, I always sit down and talk to my kids because I have an older son who's nine, Jabari. And, um, and so I always sit down and talk to my kids and, you know, talk to them. I've never really done the baby talk thing. And so that day, um, you know, he always talked, but it, that day he was just really extra chatty. Kingston was really extra chatty. And I was, um, me and my wife were sitting down, we were watching the grand finale of, of a show called Empire. 
So, you know, me and my wife were really having this conversation. I'm really perplexed about this show. So when I would say something, he was looking at, you know, me and he would look at her and look back at me. And, and I said, you feel me, man? You, you get what I'm talking about? And he shook his head like, yeah. I said, well, get up here and tell me about it. He crawls up on the couch. He sits down. This is when I knew it was going to be a very serious conversation. He crosses, if you look at the video, he crosses his little legs. He crosses his feet. And I said, oh, he got something to say to me. And he just starts to go. And, and I act like I get it. He gets so excited. Like, he's so excited. Like, oh. And he said, no, 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 no. I said, yeah, man. I get it. Yeah, so, so, so tough. Oh. He started doing his hand like that. Like, it was so funny, man. And I just told my wife, I said, get the camera. And uh, so she starts to record. And, and it was really supposed to be for, uh, like, home movies, you know, because I, I do these for my kids. So when they get older, they can see these videos of themselves. You know, kids always say, you know, I ain't never do that. Yeah, you get this you right here. So that's what that was for. <laughs> But I never thought it was never intended to be posted. Um, and unbeknownst to myself, my wife posted and uh, everybody was texting me congratulations, but I had I didn't know it was up. So at the time they posted it, she posted it. And I'm like, congratulations. At the time I'm thinking she better not be pregnant. Cause you know, when, <laughs> when we hear congratulations randomly, we just assume women, you're, you're pregnant, just uh, FYI. Yeah. So, <laughs> so when, when, by the time I go on it, it only been up an hour, hour and a half. And it was already at 300,000 views. And uh, 10 hours later, we went to sleep, woke up, and it was 25 million hits. So, and that, that was it. 25 million hits. 25 million, yeah. That's 10 hours. Amazing. Yep. That was crazy. It literally means you went to sleep, nobody knew you, and you woke up famous. That's what that means. That's, <laughs> yeah. I can understand why, though. <laughs> I mean, it was the perfect video i mean i'm one of those people who fell in love and then yeah. watched it and forwarded yeah. it to everybody and posted yeah. it on facebook and <laughs> i contributed to that i, yeah, I contributed you, were you like you were like it was like 24 point something million was you <laughs> <laughs> that was me that was me uh, <laughs> so so dj tell me you know about your childhood when you were a child what was it like in your family it was it was it was uh it was a much different than than my kids' childhood. I, I tell you that. Um, mm -hmm. My mother had me at thirteen years old, um, and and so you know naturally having such a young mom, she made a lot of silly mistakes, uh, you know, because she's still a kid herself. Um, mm -hmm. And so my mom had me at thirteen. I believe my father was fourteen, fifteen, uh, and my dad wanted nothing to do with me. Um, he wanted nothing to do with me. My biological dad, that is, he wanted nothing to do with me. And uh, my mom kind of fell out with her parents, of course, because um, they were they were just so hurt that she got pregnant. And so uh, she ran away and she came back and ran away, came back. So I saw my first early years, I saw her in and out, in and out, in and out. And then uh, she got to the point where she thought she could do better for me. And she wanted to take me on and I wanted to be with my mom. And uh, but she it was just very abusive. My first couple of years, I just remember a whole lot of abuse. Uh, mm -hmm. My mother was more uh, physically and verbally abusive. My, my biological dad, his mother would actually take me. He wouldn't take me, but his mother would take me. But he was more, he would get physical every now and again, but he was more verbally abusive. So they taught me kind of early on the kind of parenting that I didn't want. Um, mm -hmm. and, and coming up around drugs and violence and things like that, it was, it was a little, it was different. So it made me want to be... A, a different kind of guy. It was, wasn't was till my mother married my stepfather, who I just, that is my father, the man who raised me, um, 
that's when I got a glimpse of light, so to speak. Uh, he gave me, uh, you know, showed me a different life that I could have uh, outside of my, my grandparents did an amazing job, uh, but outside of them, he was the only other person that sh showed me light that you could, uh, you know, you could, things could be better than what, what I experienced. And so um, when my mother divorced my dad, my, my, my stepdad, she, when she divorced him, he said, no, he's going to stay with me. You can leave, but he's gonna stay. And I stayed with him, and and that's how I uh, got here. <laughs> got here. Uh, started doing stand up, and that was pretty much it. But stand up comedy was how I kind of um, got through my just laughing as a child. Just kind of mm -hmm. got me through laughing or making people laugh, I should say, is what helped me through. Um, because I was so abused that when I made people laugh, that was kind of like affirmation that I was important or validation that I was important. So. So how old were you when you moved in with your stepfather? Uh, I think I was, uh, ooh, I think I was, I had to be about seven. I was about seven and, and I'm telling you, I, when I tell you I, I gave him work, I made <laughs> him work. Man, I did, I did, I tried so much evil stuff. Think about it now, I think you're so used to being uh, abused that you just, you're scared to let anybody love you. Yeah. And, I, and I, yeah, and I think I, I just gave him a hard time, but I was probably about seven. So when he came along, I was kind of already set in my own little ways, you know? But yeah, I think I was about seven and then he got stationed. We were in Virginia and he got stationed to uh, Fort Campbell and we moved to a place called Oak Grove, Kentucky. And mm -hmm. uh, that was just uh, an experience in itself because I went from a pretty big city to this small, uh, this small little place in the smaller town that I'm not gonna lie, I probably didn't belong because I destroyed that place. It was bad. <laughs> but yeah, I think I was about seven years old. If you were with your stepdad, then did you have people around that helped with your dad, your stepdad help raise you, or, or like? How, there what was there that were people like? at church. There were people at church that that uh kind of uh lended a hand um, when when they could and and. And people that I still have relationships with to this day that that uh that chimed in and tried to help and influence and and detour my path from the path that looked like I was going down mm -hmm. because you know when you breed from when you come from violence and all that stuff that's all you really know mm -hmm. uh, but that was people that I yeah I um there were people in church that that uh, made efforts to help and they and they did and I like I said to this day you know I'm 32 and I still have relationships with a lot of those people. Wow. Yeah. Good job, grandparents. Oh man, amazing job. I mean, I owe so much to them. Like I'm I'm forever in their debt. Like I, um, like when I talk about them, I just I don't know. I just can't explain. <laughs> I can't express that that love I have for them. Like it's. Man, those two are sharp. And you know what's crazy? Is that my grandmother didn't even want my mother to have me. She didn't even want my, 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 my grandmother didn't want my mother to have me. She, um, she didn't believe in abortion, but mm -hmm. she just couldn't, you know, process that her 13 year old would have a child. And mm -hmm. far as she was concerned, I'm, I'm done with raising kids. You're 13, you know, so. I, and uh, she didn't want them to have me. And then she, uh, but she said when she saw me, when she saw me and that was, that was it. Right. Hook, line, and sinker. I've been, listen, grabbed ladies early. I was, <laughs> <laughs> I came out like, hey, look at me, girl. <laughs> she said, after I saw you, and then she was like, I was, 
she said, I got over the, you know, it wasn't going to be an abortion, but it was going to be like adoption. And she said, when I saw you, I was like, nah, he's coming home with us. And uh, that, that's, that was my first love at first sight. That was, uh, it. That was yeah, my grandma. I, I have some pretty good grandparents myself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They're, I mean, grandparents are amazing, man, because they pass so much wisdom down. You know what I mean? And I could sit down. I could talk to my grand, my grandfather. I could talk to my grandfather for hours at a time. Like you, would, yeah. if we were going somewhere and I started a conversation with him, go on without me, because I we gonna we gonna be here a minute. You know, I just enjoy. Yeah. I enjoyed the wisdom. I hope <laughs> one day people look at us like that. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I want to do right by my kids and my grandkids to where they look at me and say. Oh, that mean old fart. I don't want them to say that. I want them to be like, yo, he, he, my grandfather is dope. He has so much wisdom and, and he's cool and he still makes me laugh. And I want to know how to do all the hip dances and stuff. I don't know if I'm going to be able to do that because I can't you're do gonna that. You're going to be now. on the next tip. You're going to be on the next TikTok when you're like, right, exactly. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> oh, DJ. <laughs> well, you are such a good father. How Thank you. I guess I know that you mentioned that you had learned a lot of what not to do. Mm-hmm. How did you learn what to do? I, it was, it was, it was, it was, it was half, half. It was, it was what not to do from the things that people were doing that they weren't supposed to be doing. Right. So I pulled from all the bad experiences mm-hmm. and then I, it made me appreciate all the people who are doing right, such as my, you know, my, my stepfather. And I don't like saying stepfather, but so you can understand which sure. one I'm talking about. Uh, stepfather and then, and then uh, my grandfather. These men were great examples. And, uh, but it, it's just, it seems so easy that bad will, you will be easily influenced by bad before you are good. Mm-hmm. And I think bad, I've been around enough bad to a bad had influenced me so much that all I thought was bad. And I, I just was determined that I, the way I felt was so bad and horrible that I don't think I, I can imagine inflicting this on another human being and another human being that comes from me. Cause even now as a man, when I, and I, and, and for the record, I've forgiven both of my parents, but I, when, but when you reflect on the things that they, they did, you know what I'm saying? You go, I don't know. Like, I know I had to forgive them because I know they couldn't have been in their right mind. They absolutely couldn't have been. There's no way you can do some of the things that you've done and be in your right mind and, and with the intent to cause pain. Like, it's not like I did something and it happened to hurt you. I, I told you that my plan was to hurt you. So when that was, thinking back on that, I just look at my boys and I can't, I just couldn't imagine. So not out even outside of abuse, it just made me not, you know, I, I already knew being abusive wasn't even an option for me. But what made me be, I'm not going to be present dad, I'm going to be active dad. I remember that feeling, but I just wanted my parents to care enough to come sit down and just find out what was going on. Even if it was small to you, it's big to me. You know, just find out what's going on in my little world. And I think because I look at my kids like that, I think ultimately that's what made makes me uh, the father I am now is is uh, looking at them, seeing them as little little people. You know what I'm saying? And mm-hmm. they have their own issues, and they, you know their world ends a couple of times a week. And I, you know, I know this. You know, oh, dad, what's this, man? Yeah. And I'm sitting there. Well, yeah. Try this bill, though. You want to pay that? You want to see <laughs> who really got the problem here? But you know, it's just it's just uh, adjusting to their own their own level that they still have their own issues and 
things like that. So I think that's what it is. I just want my kids to have something, a legacy. And that legacy, mm-hmm. nothing else, that my dad was kind, my dad cared, and my dad cares for me. And that's, that's deep when you think about a parent that can just stop what they're doing and say, I'm going to stop my world to come see about your world. Episode 53, Love God, Love Others, with Aisha brooks Lytle, whose name is now Aisha Brooks-Johnson. Where does that come from? Um, I really, I was talking to some people recently. I feel like I'm talking to everyone all the time, <laughs> constantly. <laughs> um, and so I can't, forgive me, whoever I had this conversation with, but, you know, talking about, you know, the greatest commandment, right? Love God, love neighbor, as you love yourself. It's, it's almost like a trinity of how to love. And it's a lopsided trinity where we really focus on God and neighbor, but love of self gets diminished. And I just wonder, what is the correlation between love of self and a fullness of parenting? Mm. Uh, that I can, can I really love my kid if, if I can't stand me? Can I, can I do that? I don't know. But theologically, I feel like it's that other piece of the triangle for how to love. I mean, that's really it. And we just... We say, you know, love God, love neighbor, love God, love neighbor, love God, love neighbor. And we cut off the last piece of the equation. So if I'm loving God and neighbor and me, then how to, how to, in a healthy way, right? Not in a narcissistic, self-serving, manipulative, I'm not talking about that kind of, that's not love. It's not talking about that. But really, how do I, if I love me, then I'm, I'm gentle with me. And that, again, that's going to outpour to the folks around me, right? So that, for me, that's kind of the grounding, is how I love. It's so easy to say that. And so hard to live out, Aisha. So hard. And I say that with like 20 years of therapy, <laughs> with um, the eye movement desensitization processing thing. Where you, and if, you, if, if whoever's listening, if you don't know what I'm talking about, just Google it or inbox Jen. She's got the background. She can tell you exactly where to go. But you may really have to go back in your family system, in your own origin story, to say what kind of trauma, what kind of um, historical, collective, um, generational trauma am I holding in the body that does not permit me to live out the third part of that call? Ooh. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So everyone get out your insurance card. Come on. And, and find out where your closest therapist is that can help us with this, right? Like I say to people all the time, get read the back of the card. Yeah. Yeah. Read yeah. the back of the card. The back of the card will allow you to get access. Episode 47. How to say no with Gail Henderson Basito. You know, for parents, we're kind of torn. Mm. I think I hear, I hear different perspectives on this. There's the, I am giving up so much of my life to try to be a good parent and partner even, mm-hmm, maybe, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and trying to to be who God called them to be is like a individual. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
and feeling this tug of all the different things that they feel like that they are being called to do. Mm-hmm. You know, just because I'm called to be a mother doesn't mean I'm not called to be in a relationship with someone. That's right. Or That's right. Um, just because for me, I'm called to be a pastor mm-hmm. doesn't mean I'm not called to be a mother. Right. 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 And so holding mm-hmm. whatever these calls are in tension yes. with one another. And at the same time, having to prioritize that no. Yes. Hmm. Well, uh, here's what I think. I, I think wish that... you could see my face right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, what I think is that what we what often comes up when we talk about having to prioritize that no is that we forget that that also means we can prioritize a yes. Mm. So prioritizing a no over one to one activity means I can say yes to something else. And mm. I think of an example would be in relationship in marriage. I remember when my children were young on Thursday nights we would put the kid we would make sure that the kids had a special dinner something that they really liked and we would put them to bed relatively early because it was our date night and so that meant if somebody said hey we're having a meeting at the church nope we've got plans that night Mm. hey can you come do this nope i've got something on my calendar that night so the no to some one thing meant yes to something so much better and we did that for a long time and even at the point where my where we didn't have to put the kids to bed they still knew this was our special time so we're going to be in the lip family room watching tv or eating a pizza or doing something just me and my husband y'all need to go somewhere else And so that the no also made room for yes. And I think it doesn't have to be either or. It really can be both. That is beautiful because I think you're right. We are focused sometimes as parents on the no. Mm-hmm. Like I have to say no. Right, right. But really what if we turned it into yes. the yes? Absolutely, absolutely. And also you talked before about the things that the truth is, the truth that we have to give up some things to be parents and to be in to be a parent to be in a marriage or some other kind of relationship to have a job there are a lot of things we've got all kinds of stuff going and i think we need to recognize that we are the ones making those choices like mm-hmm. we have we have not been forced into making all of these decisions and all of these commitments and so that means we also get to prioritize that for ourselves right to say i love my job i too serve at a church i love that And if I'm going to be effective there and effective as a spouse and as a parent, I also have to even say no to things at church. And people don't want to hear that, right? Like the parishioners don't want to hear no. But if you expect me to be here and be fully here, I must have time to be away from here. Mm and be fully away from here, to be able to say no to work so that I can say yes to Sabbath, so that I can say yes to rest. Um, Because otherwise we're not gonna make it. We're not gonna make it. We're not gonna make it as parents. We're not gonna make it in our marriages. We're not gonna make it in our work. We have to learn to say that no and and to prioritize and to, Yeah. And I also think that when we do that and when we as we wrestle through that, we also model it for other people. Mm. I remember with my kids saying to them, you know, one kid would say, you that's not fair. You didn't do that with her or you didn't do that with him. And you know what I would say? Listen, I've never done this before. I've never raised kids before. So I'm learning just as you're learning. We're figuring this out together. And that's true, I think, in our adult lives. 
I've never done this before. I've never had to balance all of these things. And so I'm, I'm learning to say no, and I'm learning to say yes. In episode 21, Rupture and Repair with Cami Tran. We are sending messages to them all the time, even if we're not aware of it. Yeah. So why don't we just put words to it? Why don't we just say, mom had a crummy day. Or you know what? Dad was really busy today, and I'm sorry that I didn't take the time to connect with you. How can we do that tomorrow? Hmm. When you're regulated, when you're feeling safe, can you sit down with your child and just read to them at any age? What is that besides connection? You know, and just sitting down and taking the time to read to your child, to snuggle to your child, to to just connect with them in in whatever age or whatever stage of development, because as much as it feels like they're pushing you away, and I know this happens a lot with teenagers, they're pushing you away is really their hands open of saying, please, please come and engage with me. Please sit with me in whatever I'm experiencing and just love me. Because that's, that's what life is. We're all just searching for connection. We're all just searching to feel a little less alone. Yeah, I, I'll say that um, I know of a situation where um, a child was really struggling and it was suggested that they read um, I'll Love You Forever mm-hmm. book every night mm-hmm. with their child. And, mm-hmm. and it was life-changing for mm-hmm. them. I mean, truly life-changing. They mm-hmm. had a ritual. It was a thing. Mm-hmm. I think you're right. I think that there is something to that. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, like I said, if as many tips and skills and things that I could give to people, the, the underlying message of everything is that you're going to get it wrong. Give yourself the grace to get it wrong. What happens in the rupture is never as important as what can happen in the repair And you can do so many things to repair with your child. I think there's something really beautiful there that goes along with our faith story as Mm -hmm, well mm -hmm. about forgiveness and Mm -hmm. reconciliation and love, um, Mm -hmm. about all the things that that Christ teaches us, Mm -hmm. um, that we are going to mess up. And yet getting through it on the other side of what that response looks like Mm -hmm. is really where uh, Empower looks like. I think Mm -hmm. it's beautiful. I also heard something about like some intentional time mm-hmm. with your child, which mm-hmm. might be reading, but it mm-hmm. might be other things. I love kind of giving families homework of carve out 30 minutes of time a week. And so when I say 30 minutes, for some families, it may need to look like, okay, every Wednesday at five, it's our time. Mm. We're being together with each other. And that allows your child, they begin to expect it. They begin to look forward to it. They plan it, even if they're not bringing that through verbal communication, their bodies are planning it. They're excited about it. It's got to be something that both your child and you are approaching with this openness and this kind of excitement because your child is going to feel that. And so if it feels like a chore, what I want to say is maybe not now. If you are taking your kiddo to soccer lessons and you know that it's always you and your kiddo that are going to soccer, there's your time. Mm. Turn the radio off. Mm. engage one-on-one, you know, figure out how their day is going. After soccer practice, can you take 15 minutes to go to Sonic and get a milkshake? I love your suggestion of just using that space, Mm -hmm. perhaps to and from, as your intentional time with Mm -hmm. your kid, as opposed to trying to add something right now. Maybe Mm -hmm. that's not where you start. Mm -mm. And I think that is good. Yeah, 
but we're doing so much without even being intentional about it, without even trying to. We're constantly in this dance of rupturing and repairing, rupturing and repairing. So really what we're doing is just trying to model to our kiddos how to do that well. Yes. Because it's going to happen all through their life. Yes. We can't take it away from them. No. And that's why it can be so important. You know, among all these tips, there's also kind of the wisdom of put words to it. When you have a rupture, put words to it. Words have such power and they really have so much power with our little ones. Put words to the good stuff. Just put words all the time. I promise you, it, as, as much as a parent as sometimes you can feel rejected or that you're doing it wrong or that you've just fundamentally screwed up, I want you to know that your child is always reaching for you and will always be reaching for you, no matter how old they are. Which reminds me of the way our God is. Mm-hmm. Always reaching for us. Mm-hmm. We are never out of God's reach. Mm-hmm. And What a beautiful way to remind us and to remind our children that we are always loved and claimed and we will never be out of God's reach. I hope you enjoyed a brief walk through memory lane with me. I think we can all agree that it feels so nice as a parent to know that you're not alone in this beautiful and difficult honor of raising faithful kids. I started this podcast because God called me to fill a need, not because God called me to reach 5 million listeners. And in my mind, if this venture is continuing to reach and support parents, then it's successful. My producer keeps up with the monthly listenership and the ins and outs of the website, but I specifically don't lean on the details of listeners and downloads. I do, however, listen for topics and potential guests through you. You all help make this podcast what it is. So thank you for letting me travel with you as we travel through parenthood together. I'm excited to see how God will continue to use Parents Take Five. And until next time, we got this. I hope that you've enjoyed having a few minutes to help you recenter, refocus, and reflect on family and faith. As you think of questions or ideas that you'd like for me to explore on the podcast, check out Instagram and the Facebook group to reach me. I hope that you'll take five with us again.